name is not Dr. Google. I'm Dr. V. I want you to be healthy and happy, so we're going to talk about all the things I can't fit into a 15-minute appointment. Let's get started. Step into my office. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Office Visits with Dr. V. I'm your host, Dr. V, the Harriet Tubman of healthcare. Yes, that's right. I've gotten free, gotten healthy, and I'm coming back to get you so you can do the same. If you are are new to the podcast, uh, please, please, please go to Office Visits with Dr. V on Facebook and Instagram. You can also visit our website, officevisitswithdrv.com for more information uh, on all the good things that I have for you. Let's get right into our episode today. This has been, I don't know how many months, I want to say maybe a year that I've been wanting this guest. I don't know what happened because I talked to her like every week, but neither here nor there. She is, um, she's, she's been on a journey of, of finding her voice, of uncovering something that we, we keep quiet. And she has, she has pulled out a megaphone and she has brought it out to, into the open. Um, and it is, it's healing. It is leading to the healing. And the podcast that I have created is to help women become happy and healthy. And what my next guest has done is she's uncovered something that keeps a lot of women, and I'll just say women and men, but women unhappy. And it's something that I've seen in my practice. uh, And we'll talk a little bit more about that. My next guest is, she's a creative. She is an artist. She's an art educator. She is a mother of five five college graduates, people who are doing great things in the world. She's been married for 33 plus years. She's a grandmother of four. She is just a phenomenal person and she is an author. She's an author times two. She is also a fellow podcaster. And I know that you are going to really um, enjoy what she has to say. I will say we might get into um, some sensitive subjects, uh, so you might want to preview this before uh, sharing it with your really small children. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So please welcome my guest, my accountability partner, Yolanda Greer. <laughs> well, hello. Hello, hello, hello. So glad to be here. Thank you so much. I was listening to that, like, who is she talking about? Who is she talking about? about? <laughs> no. Wow. That's all you. Okay. That's I all you. That. And y'all, she's sitting here in the studio with a, a beautiful pink dress on, <laughs> looking all ready for Mother's Day. Oh, and thank you. Looking like a flower. Um, yeah, so Yolanda, mm-hmm. there, there's so much that, that I want to talk about with you, but something that we have have talked about that we've gotten or we've uncovered is something called the whisper, mm-hmm. the whisper. So I want to start there okay. and then maybe go back into your story. So for, for our listeners, can you tell them what the whisper is? Absolutely. So for, for us, whisper stories are stories that we keep to ourselves no matter how deep, no matter how long, no matter how painful, we keep to ourselves. And even when prompted to tell someone, mm. we whisper. We get the hug and we pull someone close and we whisper. We write in our journals, but we don't um, use a lot of details so that it's a whisper. Mm-hmm. 
And for me, whispered stories are stories that kind of test um, who you're telling it to. I, I want to test how you respond. I want to retest how you look at me. I want to test if once you hear part of the story, I feel, I still feel loved by you. Mm. So they're always whispered. And I, I've been called to pull those whisper stories mm. so that people can hear them just a little louder while mm. you work on what are you, what God wants you to do with the story. Mm-hmm. That's very, that's very well said. And I'll just share with you, I discovered the whisper when I decided uh, to leave um, private practice as an OBGYN. And the whisper for me was, okay, well, what are you going to do? And how are you going to make money? And when you figure this out, you know, let me know. That was the whisper. Mm -hmm. So there's something in that whisper. But your whisper or the whisper that that you're talking about is, is different for you. Mm-hmm. So kind of tell us uh, your backstory. Okay. Um, tell us your whisper. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So <clears throat> I am a survivor of molestation, uh, abuse, and bullying. And I actually don't have a memory of that not being a part of my life. And that's how long I dealt with it. Mm-hmm. I, for the most part, didn't tell anyone, and there were people who knew, but I mean, it's it's that I see it, I'm not a part of it, so I'm not going to say anything. So oftentimes, children or kids grow up, and there's not necessarily an advocate for them, and so, and 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 also, we get our power and permission from adults who are around us, someone, whether it's a parent, a relative, right. a teacher. Right. And if that's not happening, right. where do you get that power from? Where do you get that it's okay to speak out or to say anything? And I did. I never felt that, so I never told. I just suffered, and as a result of suffering, I was. What I know now was in a state of depression and sadness. I didn't have a name for it. And because I lived like that for so long, I didn't even question it. It was almost like a survival thing. Like if Mm -hmm. I just stay to myself and stay quiet and stay um, silent, you won't bother me. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember the first time was age four. And I was playing with some other kids in front of a tree and we were climbing up the tree and I was tomboyish. And so I could climb the highest. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're very proud of that. I'm absolutely, sure. <laughs> absolutely. Cause it was girls and boys. And so the man who's, whose apartment we were in front of, if I can just, just paint a picture, this is, um, this is the projects. And, this long building with houses, maybe five or six apartments that are beside one another. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So the, the yard belongs to the kids, you know. Right. And he says, so I'm going to give candy to the first person who climbs the highest. What I'm for, I'm not paying attention to the fact that he already knows I'm going to climb the highest, right? Mm. So I'm, I climbed the highest. So that's premeditation. Absolutely. Go ahead. And then when I come back down, he's like, um, so you can come in the house and get your candy. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of another. I'm running to the house. I mean, the apartment, whatever, to get the candy. And he's like, he's over on the stereo. And for um, the young babies, you know, stereo has like the 78 <laughs> records and the 45 <laughs> records. Okay. So um, so I, I'm going to run towards the stereo. And he said, no, 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 but wait one second. You need to come upstairs. I'm, I'm, I'm focused on this candy. I'm like, okay, well, maybe the candy's upstairs. So we go upstairs and, um, we, I'm at the top of the steps and now I'm in what I now know is, it's a bedroom. And I'm, and I feel in my spirit at this point, mm, mm, you're this four. is not okay, but I don't know. I don't feel in, I don't feel as if I'm in danger yet. What I feel like is 
I hear the voice of our parents saying, you don't go in anyone's house. Mm-hmm. That's where I was. Like, mm-hmm. I am in mm-hmm. trouble right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he um, starts to touch and, and all of that. And I realized that his back is towards the door and my back is towards the bed. And he just seemed to be very tall and large. And I'm, yeah, you I'm were like, four. how am I going to get past this person? Mm. And he sits down on the bed. Um, actually, he pulls his pants down. And then he sits down on the bed. And then he sits me on him. Had he exposed himself when he pulled his pants yes. down? Mm-hmm. Mm. And... Um, I'm sitting, I'm sitting on him, but right now I have my, my clothes on. He's trying to get my hands to touch and he's just Mm -hmm. doing all kinds of just ungodly things. And, but then he places me down on the floor to try to readjust himself. And also he's going to continue to try to take my clothes off. But once he does that, he's at a disadvantage. right? Right. And it's at that point that I just grabbed myself and I ran down the steps but also because I'm four, I reach over to the console and grab my candy. <laughs> yes, I did. And wow. ran out the door. And um, when I ran out the door, I heard my aunt calling my name. And you know that that's that that tone, like I've been calling you more than once. That mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm running out and I'm running towards her voice because she was, believe it or not, was in the apartment. Two apartments over. Mm. So we're in the same complex. She's right. just two over. And as I'm running towards her, she is pretty angry. First, I'm not outside. Two, she's had to call me more than once. And I, for years, I'm talking years, I always thought that she knew where I was and that she knew what I was, quote unquote, doing. doing. Mm-hmm. And that's why she was angry. I mean, I don't even remember when I stopped thinking that. And I I felt so much shame. And I was like always trying to please her. And I want to go live with you. And I just love you so much. Mm -hmm. And if you look at me, like, um, really, really look at me, you know I'm not that girl. I'm not even know I'm not that dirty. I mean, all of that. I just had so many emotions. And that was not the truth. She was calling you. Because I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Because you weren't where you were supposed to be. (laughs) And that and that's what children do. I mm. think, you know, they make up stories. Absolutely. Um and that's why, you know, you you never know what's going on in the mind of a mm. child. Right. And I think that's why you have to make it a safe space and talk about these things so right. that they understand. Mm-hmm. Um so that was age four. Did you ever tell anyone? Did you have the language to tell your aunt, your mother, your siblings what happened? Um, I didn't. I didn't have the language. Um, I remember <laughs> the the slang words that we were used just for our body parts. Mm-hmm. And though I didn't know at the time what the correct words were, I, what I did know is that wasn't okay. So right. I couldn't come up with any other word words. And so I'm certainly not going to try to tell that story using those words. But what I remember, though, is... I used to draw a lot of of people nude, and I really have forgotten about that. I really before had. that or after right that? after that, like uh, in elementary school, I'm just drawing okay. like nude people, and okay. and everybody's like, "How you know what 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 are you doing?" Like, so now I'm in trouble, and I'm like, "I don't even know why I drew that." You know what I'm saying? But I, what I realized is that people were very angry that I did that. Um, which helped me, which reinforced my belief that all of it is ugly. All of right. it is nasty. And you got to keep it to yourself. You know, and I got to keep it to myself. And I'm not really sure, honestly, if I was trying to tell a story with those pictures, I just remember that I got in trouble for the pictures, right? And I, I would like to think that nowadays we would see that as a sign mm-hmm. and say this child has been exposed to something. Right. Unfortunately, I I think that we still sweep it under the rug, right? Uh, and 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 women hold on to this. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm I'm saying women because that's who I take care of. That's you know primarily my audience. But I do know that this happens to men. Mm-hmm. 
so it happened again a few times. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to spend so much time on that because I really want to focus on how you came out of it mm-hmm. and the things that you're doing now right. to help other um, survivors. Right. Um, but just briefly, tell me about the other sign. Because I, I remember hearing you say one time you felt like you had a, a sign on you. Uh, Do you remember saying that? Yeah. Like, I felt like I had a sign that says, you know, come harm me. Right. So t- tell me about the other two times or the other times that it happened. Um. So we're brief. I would say I was home from college and I skipped the, the, the preview, but I ended up home and my cousin ended up coming to our home. It was very early in the morning and um, my mom goes to work and he's in the home and I'm thinking this, she never does that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it, it was because he was a cousin, like a real cousin, not a distant cousin, like a whole cousin. And I'm like, you should leave because my mom is not here. Like you saw her leave and, he wants to talk about random stuff and he goes in my bedroom. I still remember this. He's like, I, I noticed you have art and poetry on your wall. Can you come in here to explain it to me? Absolutely not. Mm. Um, How old I need were you, you at this leave. point? I'm seven, 18, a okay. freshman in college. And so I wouldn't, I, I knew then like, mm. <laughs> And so he comes out of the room and then he tries, he smokes, he, he lights up a cigarette. I'm like, you know, my mother doesn't like smoking or drinking in the house. Like just doing all he kinds of things. He's breaking all the rules. All come rules. on, you don't come to somebody house how smoking. am I going to get rid of that smoke when she get home? And I have to explain why I let you smoke. I mean, I could just see all of this playing out in my right. head. So I'll get to the door because I'm trying to lead you to the door so you can leave this house. And he was like, and this is the strange thing. He says, um, I didn't give you a birthday present last year. You know, our birthdays are very close together, right? And he's not, he's at, anyway. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I know that, but you've never given me a present. And then at that point, he grabs me. And he grabs me. I can still, like, um, just, his tongue is like halfway down my throat. Mm. I mean, he's trying to pull me towards him and he's pulling and grabbing and I'm fighting and, and I'm, I was, I was, I thought he, he was going to say something inappropriate because his language, a conversation up to that point was going there. I didn't think he would do this. And my mother had a balance, a um, balance, a brass weight set in this for decorative purposes only and it used to be on the uh, table and it was hanging on the wall for some reason. Either way, when I leaned back, I grabbed it. Mm. And it was that that I took and I would try with all my might to just take him out. And that startled him. And which is interesting because he was offended by that. Like, oh, like, like, no, you didn't. I'm like, what? No, I didn't. Like, You're he, assaulting me. <laughs> right. And wow. he eventually left and... I, I I was just in disbelief. Like, what were you? I'm your cousin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'm your younger cousin. I mean, and mm. it it was quite disturbing. And because I, and this is what I do know. I understand my makeup, that my family um, makeup. I'm talking about extended family and even just just family. I know at this point how we operate. It's it's not even worth telling. Wow. Because it's gonna be a reason why he did it. Wow. It's gonna be a you know, he's on drugs, you know, he's having a hard time. Because um when I did tell, that's what I heard. And I knew what I'm not gonna keep telling the family. Right. Because I don't understand why you are not hearing what I'm saying. Right. Where where the violation of you is not more important than his right. circumstances. Right. Which, unfortunately, I think that's the message that all women get. Well, I don't want to say all, mm-hmm. but I, I know that that's what um, that historically it wasn't some. It's something that that family members knew happened. Right. 
Um, but it wasn't something um, that they talked about. And I honestly think because it happened generation after generation mm-hmm. that, you know, it happened to me and I'm OK. So, right. you know, oh, you'll, you'll be fine. Heard that. Which. That's where it starts, the the illness, right. the disease mm-hmm. and or not the disease, but. That traumatic event actually right. takes root and shows up in other ways when we are adults. Right. People like to say, you know, I, I went through, I went through, and I survived. And we, and I think if that's if that's your testimony and it helps someone, I think that's wonderful. I'm speaking of when we see someone, like mm-hmm. you just look at them. That's no way to say or to tell that they survived. Right. Because I showed up human, because I showed up, you know, I mean, alive. No, right. Right. there's a whole a lot of things that go on with go on with us as we try to just navigate life, and it is in those uh, choices that you can determine if I survived that. And I used right. to say I had to change my narrative. I I just didn't survive my childhood. I didn't survive all that craziness. I didn't survive constant violation of of my of my person i I didn't survive that and while i wasn't surviving it um people had an opinion oh she's quiet she's and 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 that's okay because Mm -hmm. that's what i portrayed but i i see little sprinkles of when i was trying to reach out and Mm. and I, i it's a lot of caution as to um i don't want to get involved or it's happened before in our families, and that's just how it. That's just, just how it is. it is. Yeah, and I'm thinking, yeah. absolutely not. That yeah. cannot be. Yeah. No. <laughs> I love. Uh, I love the movie The Color Purple, mm-hmm. which is based on the book The Color Purple by Alice Walker. And I, I forget what time. Uh, I don't know if it was the 1940s or 50s that it was set in, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Oprah Winfrey's uh, character, Miss Sophia, said, a girl child ain't safe in a world full of men. And that was way, that -hmm. was way back then. Mm -hmm. That was way back then. And what we know now, and and this is why it's important, and this is what I've seen in my practice, is that this, these traumatic events now have a name. And they, they call them ACEs, which stands for Adverse Childhood um, Events. And when you have ACEs, what happens, especially if they're not dealt with, Mm -hmm. is that when you become an adult, it shows up as depression, Mm -hmm. anxiety, uh, substance abuse, because like you said, people are holding on to it. They don't even have the voice for the whisper. They're just keeping it to themselves. And so the statistic that really didn't change a lot during my pra- my years of practice was one in four women have been um, abused in some kind of sexually abused in mm-hmm. some kind of way. Right. And what would always shock me, and I know this is one of my gifts, and I don't know, I, I really say the Holy Spirit and God works through me. But a lot of times I would hear women say, I've never told anyone that before. Because I, I can tell when you have to do a sensitive exam, I can tell. Mm-hmm. And usually I can look at the history and I can see depression, anxiety, alcoholism. And I just, you know, I just know. And mm-hmm. I ask the question and hush my mouth and it comes out. Mm-hmm. And usually it's a a river of tears, mm-hmm. a river of tears. And it hurts me so bad because we've labeled people and they take on this. Mm -hmm. I've got depression and I've got this, but it's like, really you were violated as a child. You were violated and no one ever, no one ever spoke of it. So I know that you did go through some of that. Can Mm -hmm. you tell us, cause you you mentioned it before you did have depression and, and there was a time in your life that, um, that you were dealing with those issues. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I think the depression showed up as most of it not interested in what's going on around me, mm-hmm. but not interested in doing anything that involved another person, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. So that way I won't have to answer no questions. We're not talking. And more importantly, we're not forming a relationship because that I don't trust. And I remember, though, 
sleeping a lot and getting really, really angry when my family woke me up to eat or I'm like, I'm I like I want to be sleep. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is not a coincidence. And I, I I'm I'm serious. I mean, I would have a whole attitude. I'm serious because somebody woke me up. Mm-hmm. And get to the kitchen table. Now I know I'm sitting at my mom's table. I'm not having an attitude at her table. No, I'm not, I'm not saying because <laughs> I understand that. But I remember feeling them like kicking, like, oh, like, why you wake me up? It was hard to um go to school and just carry that I'm just happy to be in school vibe all day Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was that was hard because it's a lot of energy because I don't want to be here and I don't want to talk to you you know it it was just weird um people who were close to me they were close like I kept them close and then I kept and then I closed the circle and I never questioned never questioned that because I thought it was working for me and I remember when I went off to college and then my surroundings are new. The friends are new. And all of these memories of things that are happening started flooding mm. because in my mind, I had successfully pushed them down mm-hmm. and went on with my life. But I don't, I, something about just being in that space, it started really um, coming coming back. And so I was having like real anxieties about being in groups or being too far away from my dorm. So mm-hmm. I could go to certain places on campus, but if it's too far, if it's all the way on the other side of campus and across the street and it's that far from my room, I would just be really, really, really anxious. And there's really no, I don't think there was really any danger around me. Right. I just, I just felt it. I didn't know that that was anxiety. I did recognize the feeling though. So when I would write about it, I would write about the feeling. I don't even know if I knew the word anxiety then. Or maybe I did. Um, and then <laughs> I just didn't use it when I was writing. Right. In my mind, I wanted to be a psychology major. <laughs> and I was going to try to figure out what was wrong with the people who I thought were not being great. <laughs> and I start, I realized after my freshman year, I didn't want to be a psychologist. I did not, but I did want to understand Mm -hmm. what was going on. Mm -hmm. So I changed my major from psychology to business administration, but I stayed with the courses that dealt with how people or why people did the way they did, uh, consumer behavior and and things of that Mm -hmm. nature. I was Mm -hmm. like, I still don't want to be, I still don't want to be a psychologist, but I am interested in why people make the decisions that they made and why I can't reset, why I can't make myself feel or be happy, why I can't make myself want to be in the middle of a basketball game two, three times a week, you know, why I can't make myself uh, experience the level of joy and freedom that I think the girls around me are doing. And um, then we show up into adulthood, like real adulthood, and I still have these same issues. Why right. I can't um, flourish at work or stay a whole, I can stay at a job, but I couldn't seem to flourish because it was just hard getting up to go. Like, right. And once I got there, though, which is the interesting part, I was fine. It's the getting, getting up, <laughs> getting up. And I was like, I can't even explain that so that it makes sense. So I'm just going to like suffer um, because I've done that my whole life. I've just not shared the story. Did you, did you know it was, was because of the molestation and the trauma? Did you, you had, did I you had even put that the, together? I didn't put that together. Which is what, you know, and you said you successfully thought you had repressed it. Mm-hmm. But it's like the brain, there's some trigger of something and it mm-hmm. brings it all back up. And I think often people don't know the connection. Right. Um, but, you know, for the people listening, if this has happened to you or to someone that you know or love, it's worth the investigation of where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a reason that people are anxious and depressed. And yes, we know that there are chemical imbalances, mm-hmm. but I think it's worth the investigation to figure Absolutely. out what is the source. Right. Um, and that's all I'm saying. Just start, just start the journey because that will lead to your healing. Absolutely. That will lead <laughs> to your healing. 
Go ahead, Dr. V. That is a wonderful <laughs> segue. Yeah. You have something I want to make. You have it's creative healing that mm-hmm. you have created. Um, you have Treasure Heart Creative. You have what two books? Yes, A Heart in Pieces Made Whole, right. and The Other Side of Whole. Correct. You're working. You have your podcast, and you're working on a course to help people through this process by using art and creativity to to express their feelings so how did you come out of this and get to the point where you are a healer now Mm -hmm. you're a creative healer how did that happen all right so i've been writing poems i think the very first poem that i actually remember writing that it made sense and i gave it to someone was my mother I was 10 years old mm. and I wrote a Mother's Day poem and, you know, like most kids made a uh, card and drew a heart and I, she still has that. <laughs> and and tomorrow's Mother's Day. We are recording this the day before Mother's <laughs> well, Day, 2022. How awesome. <laughs> how awesome. Shout out to, to your mama. Go Yay. ahead. And um, so I just continued to write. I have a diary then and I learned very quickly to write about my feelings and not a person because I knew like it was going to be read. Right. Mm. And um, mm. I didn't have any secret languages or anything like that. But I, what I do remember is the feeling I had after I would write for periods of time. And I knew also that I wanted to write a book. I think I've always no. I didn't know what it was going to be about. I, it, it was just in my spirit. Like, I'm just going to be an author one day. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, once I started and like made up my mind that I'm not going to be in this space anymore. And that was 2012. And my pastors started a class, um, called Luke 1, um, 38. But the, the purpose of the class was to identify anything that's blocking you in your life from mm. being all that you can be. Wow. And, I thought it was like really wonderful. I was going to do it one year. And I thought, no, because then I may have to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out how to get it done and not have to tell the story. And that didn't work. Because so, subconsciously, <laughs> you knew that was a part of yeah, what I was, was like, blocking no, you. No, we're not doing that. And yeah. then, but because I was introduced to it for a whole year, it wouldn't let me go. It would not let me go. And I just, I was like, okay, let me. So in December, before the January is going to start, I think I was like right at the deadline. Okay, I'm going to sign my name and I want to be a part of this. Best decision ever. And even the first meeting was, we're going to talk about what? You know, like I want you to Wow. what? And they did say, you know, the conversations are going to be sensitive. They could be sensitive depending on what you want to talk about. But they, they, some of them may be confrontational. I'm like, uh, we're not doing that. Or, you know, I'm serious. I, I had all of these rules of for my healing. It's like no, yeah. And once I started to trust the process, because I I had learned to trust them, things stopped flooding, like flooding back memories. Yes, mm. and so I knew I just need to start writing again, like writing with purpose. And so this thing won't take me somewhere I don't need to be and keep me longer than I need to stay. And the the process was gentle at sometimes, conversational at sometimes, but it was all always, always, always truthful. And I remember one day we had to create a sermon, and it had to be ten minutes or or less, maybe five. It wasn't long, and they talked us through how to do it. But I remember at the end of mine, I said something like, "But when she when she went to remove the chain." she realized it was never locked. Mm. And I was like, where did that come from? Where did that just come from? I said, I don't even remember the words before that, but that was the last thing I wow. said. And I was like, hey, I'm going to work with this. Oh, wow. Maybe it was just never locked. Like, I just saw it, the chain, or I felt the chain, but it was never really locked. Yeah. And did you speak about it in that class? I did. And was that the first time? That was the first time... I actually went deeper 
Mm-hmm. Because what a lot of people do with their stories is they tell you either a high level version or they tell you just enough to get a reaction because we want to know if I could trust you. I want to know, right. you know, I, I'm trying to gauge how you're going to look at me or, I mean, cause, cause this is the worst and I've had this happen several times. Oh no, no, no. That wouldn't happen to me. Uh, oh, absolutely not. I mean, I don't know what you were doing, but I, first of all, I wouldn't went in the house. See all of that. Mm. And you, and I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm saying, what are we talking about right now? <laughs> Four. I was gonna say you were four years old. You know what I'm saying? You absolutely would have gone in the house. You know what I'm saying? And maybe your experience would have been totally different than mine. But those kind of reactions to somebody's story just reaffirmed, like, nah, I probably shouldn't say that. Yeah, can't share it with them. Right. And and then you have to get in a space that even if you get that reaction, then it doesn't change the truth of your story. Mm -hmm. It's just that that story wasn't meant for them. Right. But then trying to figure out, well, who can you tell the story to? Because the story is keeping you up now. Like once you, once it, once the story decides that it wants to be healed, it absolutely is going to come up. Mm. It's period. Because it's that you know that you're more ready than you think you are. And you got to trust that. So when it's not going anywhere after you think you've suppressed it for years, it's time to, to, to make a decision that you don't want to be in that space anymore. You can look at the, the seeds you've planted as a result of it. You could, you could look at the harvest that came as a result mm-hmm, of it mm-hmm. and make up in your mind, like, you know, we, we got to do something different. And I was at that. I was, I was at that space. And how old were you at that point? Oh, wow. You could just say 30s, 40s. Yeah, or... 40s. Yeah. Okay, so 40s, right? <laughs> yeah. So this is like 30 years later. Yeah. This is 30 years later. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about, you know, because now that you've stepped into this healing space mm-hmm. and you're sharing the story and you've written the book, I've I've really been enamored by some of the reactions that you get because when you speak, people come up to you afterwards. Absolutely. Because they know they can trust you because you've come through it. And what are some of the things that you hear and, and the ages of mm-hmm. the women that you're speaking to? Um, ages teenager, teenagers to 70s. Mm. And recently I had an event or I attended an event and I was selling art and books. And I noticed when I was telling the story to intertwine the story of the books into the burst of color in the art, that a lot of the women who were listening to that stopped at the book, stopped at, stopped at what was happening in the book. Mm. And on this, at this one event, two different women, actually stood in front of me and cried Mm. and both Mm. of them said I've never told anyone Mm -hmm. and one of them said I wish I had told my mom she said it's so interesting I woke up on Sunday with this very thought and I was crying and I didn't know where it was coming from Mm. and I thought it was just that I was missing my mom who's no longer here and that but then I was overwhelmed with grief about this thing that had happened to me and I never told my mother. And then I meet you and she's talking to me. And then she called herself and she said, I don't even understand this. I don't know you. I've never seen you, Mm. but yet I'm telling you all of this. Mm -hmm. And I was like to myself, but I do understand this. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, she purchased a book and she purchased a, a journal. And then maybe 30 minutes later, another lady comes but she begins to cry and walk away. And she comes back like an hour later and she's apologizing. And the reason that I did is because when I heard this and your story is like my story, but I brought a friend with me for support because she didn't even know, but I want to buy everything, you everything have. you have. She said that, <laughs> but I was like, but I'm at the story. It's like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. But because it's, those types of stories, the only person who can hear that is me because I'm standing like right in front of you and you're whispering. Yes. And it's it's so interesting. We're we're whispering and we're looking around trying to make sure and I get it. Honestly I get it. That no one else is privy to this. Um 
and I'm, I'm praying, like, I, I hope the book blesses you. I mean, it has journal props in the book. and has I just hope it blesses you. But I hope, more importantly, that today begins a healing for those women, you know. Right. Um, right. But that is, right. I, I've told the story to a youth group at a church. We were in Charlotte. That's not what I was talking about. I was talking about something else. Mm. And it was a question that one of the youth asked me that led me to that point. And I shared, it was very, very high level. So it wasn't details or anything like that. And I was leaving. One of the girls who just gazed at me the whole time caught me almost at my car. And she just, I just wanted to tell you that this has happened. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Wow. And I was like, Lord, I used to write in my journal. I want to speak to the story one day and no one in the audience has the same testimony, Ooh. and that has never happened yet. That's how one in four. Absolutely, that's how prevalent. Yeah, I've heard people say, "I've been at a, a, an event in which uh, uh, people were talking about their testimonies." One lady spoke before me, and then I spoke, and she was just—it was just uncontrollable grief. And she comes to me later. She said, "That's what I wanted to say. Mm. The testimony that I shared was the truth." But I had to end it when it's when it got to that part. Yeah. And then you said it, and that's what I wanted to say. Right. And this right. at this point, she's she's holding me and she's whispering this in my ear, and her whole body is shaking. And I'm like, wow, this is not okay. Because once you release the story, and all stories doesn't necessarily have to be in a public forum. Your story doesn't have to be written for publication, but it has to get apart from you. Mm. Because when you it gets apart from you, it it the the power of that reduces because you can see it differently. Because mm. okay. you're not that. But if it's but if it's inside of you and you're not able to thrive in your own life, the people around you can't thrive because they're dependent on you. It's worth investigating how to get out of that space, what it is specifically. And even when you tell your story to yourself or you write it, you got to write the details. Because if you say, I'm just going to do a random story, um, you know, so he came and then he pushed me. And then we ended up fighting and then he got the best of me and took advantage of me and then that's it. So, no. So if you say he walked up to you and he grabbed you with both hands and he squeezed Mm. you and then he pushed you violently. And when you do those things and that may be um, the you may have to consider who you need to uh, walk you through that process. Right. But you got to make the story real because as long as it's high level, it's just high level. It's very out of reach. It's not tangible. It's not. um, But you got to make it real. And if that means you you need to go somewhere where you can get uh, help walking through that, it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. And that's, you know, as Dr. V, I was just thinking when you said you put the details like that uncovers, you take the scab off of it. Mm -hmm. And for some people that can send them in a deep spiral. So some mm-hmm. some of you listening may need to seek professional help um, and walk this through. Did you ever see uh, a psychologist, a therapist, anyone that kind of helped you frame your experiences? I and did. did. it help? It, it absolutely helped. It actually, um, so I want to preface this by saying I did later than I should have. I mean, much later. Because at this point, I, I'm thinking, I'm doing this myself. I got this. You know what I'm saying? Right. We good. Right. Uh, I know I'm going in the right direction because the things that I'm writing about specifically and how I'm writing and how I'm journaling and how I am including art, collage, and writing, I'm feeling a very real change in my being mm. and the consistency in which I was doing it. I'm not talking about, you know, as a business and sharing and, and, and selfies. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about a dedicated time to get to the root of just who, who am I? Because once you get on the other side of your healing, you, you may have to introduce yourself to yourself. 
like who am I now? Like right. this is kind of amazing and exciting right. and scary. And but I do I did recognize that I don't know what's a feeling or I, a change. We'll use that word. I recognized a change that ha- was happening mm-hmm. as I was creating. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm on a leave from work. And I know I can't go back there, right? I know I have to go back because the leave is over. And But I, I just can't. Emotionally, I'm like, I, that whole space was a trigger for me. And I knew that. So it is during that, that time that I... I reached out to a counselor and she accommodated my schedule and um, she was near my home. And because I didn't, I didn't reach out to anyone for any recommendations. I guess that's how you're supposed to do it, but I didn't do that. I did pray about it though. Okay. And I ended that's, up with her. A great it was recommendation. a great, it was just great. And towards the end of our session, she, I, I was, I often talked about my art journal and she asked if I could bring it in one day. Sure. So I brought brought it in and she took the time and she it was 30 pages and looked at every single page. And she didn't scan it. She looked at every single page mm-hmm. and she read the right and all of that. I mean, of course we talked about what she could and could not do. And I was like, at this point, what don't you know? Right. <laughs> and, but I could just, I, I'm, I'm watching her and it's, it's silent for all of this time. And she closed the book and looked at me and I thought she was just going to bust out in tears. And I was joking to myself. So am I going to pay her? Or is she going to pay me? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I still, and I actually said that to her cause I needed to, I felt like I needed to bring her down. And she said, this is, this is a what? It's an art journal. Ah. <laughs> so, yeah, tell the listeners what an art journal is, because that's what that's the creative healing that mm-hmm. you're doing now. So, yeah, what is it? What is an art journal? So what art did you ju- tell her? <laughs> what did I tell her? That it is simply a way to combine words, color, imagery, and writings in a, in a, with a specific thing in mind, whether it is just to create and be, to unpack something that you're going through, um, to create a space of, for healing and conversation, even with yourself. And this was planted in me before I knew it was planted in me. My, my freshman year speech teacher used to tell us, we don't spend enough time with ourselves. Mm. And we can, we can fit so many things in our lives if we just sit and ask ourselves the questions. People around you know more about you than you do because you don't spend enough time with yourself. I still remember him. I could see him standing on that podium saying that because I was thinking to myself as a freshman, what does this have to do with speech? I really, that's why, <laughs> what are you talking about? But I also remember once he unpacked that, it never, I was 18. That has never left me. Mm. And so in, in my, my speakings and teachings, I leave with that. We don't, we don't spend enough time with ourselves. Mm. So that was my way of doing that because some people are afraid to be by themselves. They don't, it's very uncomfortable. You got your own thoughts and, right. and all of this stuff, right. and it, but it's okay. It's, it's really okay. And so I teach. How to begin the process, how to trust the process, and then how to make that process your own. And she was very, she said, can I, can I, may I have your permission not to share the book, but to share what I experienced with the book with my husband. Wow. And I was like, sure. Cause she was, she, it it just took her back. And I was like, she said, and what I also want to tell you though is, the depth of pain um, that you think you are at, that you, you're past that. Wow. Like this book right here um, solidifies what I've already written about you and that you're absolutely healed. Then she says, it's going to be a process for you to stay on this path, which means I can absolutely write you back into work, but I can't write you back into that job. And I'm 
It's like, that's a problem because that's where I work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, yeah. And I was like, nah, you, mm. um, so that's my job. I don't want to go back. I, I, it's a trigger. And she said, well, can, you can do this. I can write you back, but you need to promise that you will actively look for something else. Absolutely. Just trying to go back so I won't get fired. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> and so. And you were in customer service customer at that service. point, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, there was a whole lot of energy that I didn't need when I'm trying to deal with my own. Mm-hmm. It, no. People ain't always so nice <laughs> no, to the customer not. service representatives. Right. And, I was like, and I was fine with that until I got to the point where I knew I had to leave when I, when I stopped caring. When I stopped caring, and that's serious. It's like, I, I, okay. And <laughs> that's a symptom of burnout, people. It is. You don't give a crap I'm anymore. Like, You're going to be all right. I need you to readjust the way you're thinking about money and how you use it and how you um, make decisions for yourself before you call here every day and first me out. And, I, and that, that's not okay. Background, she was at work at a bank, customer <laughs> service for a bank. I was like, that's not okay. I'm like, did I, did we just talk to you yesterday? And that kind of judgment and that kind of, I just don't dismiss yeah. it. Now yeah. I didn't act that out. I really felt that. And I, and absolutely I was burnt out. I knew I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just needed a, a moment to reset because I'm still having, I can't get up in the morning. I can't right. make it. I can't work a whole six months without missing a day. I mean, I couldn't, I was in that space and, um, I ended up going home and uh, the art educator position became available and um, I, I received a call and it's like, you know what? The Lord placed your name on my heart mm. and I called immediately and thought about you and I asked, what are your thoughts about that? I remember Sitting in a recliner, tired from being up all night, um, hair just like it's just doing the most because it's beautifully natural, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, what just happened?" She's like, "Can you come in right now?" Absolutely not. I'm looking at myself like, yeah. "No," but. <laughs> I don't even think that you knew I was, because at the time that call came through, I should have been at work. I was in a, I still remember that. Wow. And I was spiraling and I was like, um, can you give me two weeks? Two weeks. That's that's another show. (laughs) Okay. I just, you know, because at this point I'm real clear. I have, I financially, I'm fine. I could do two weeks. Right. So I just needed to reset and get my life right. right and um right. and I I walked into this room and this space and I saw these little faces and I'm seeing art supplies like that's what I have at home and they are so excited and just watching them just being willing to create. And then once I started noticing some of the things that they too were also drawing. Uh, and they too were also writing. I knew. Yep. You Safe space. Know. Yep. I'm. I'm. I'm know. here not for me and to be happy. That's not. That's not what this is. This is yes to teach and to do what I'm hired to do, but to also teach them art journaling. Right. To heal. To heal. To heal. We probably could talk another two hours. <laughs> we could probably talk another two hours. I, I like to keep it under an hour. I'll say this to my producer, Brody, who's sitting in the corner. When I first started, what did I say? I'm going to have 15-minute episodes. <laughs> that has changed. I So I just I thank you for sharing your story. Absolutely. One observation I'm going to make is that when you opened yourself and you did the work, it, it feels like the opportunities and where God wanted you to be just kind of showed up. Mm-hmm. And so for the people listening, you know, especially if, if, if you're not in a space of healing 
and you're still hurting and that's still manifesting in your life mm-hmm. some way. Um, find a safe space, a safe person. And that may be what your journal, Absolutely. maybe drawing. It might not be saying it out loud, but begin to, to acknowledge it. I just want you to understand that that has shaped who you are today. And, um, it doesn't have to have the hold over you um, that it may have now. Yolanda's story, we would say, is traumatic and is not what we would want for a four-year-old child. Um, but God has made something very beautiful out of out of those experiences. And you're going to help. You are helping other children, other women uh, tell their stories. And so... You know, I feel a little unprepared. I feel like I need to have a hotline for people to call because we, you know, somebody might be in their car right now just mm-hmm. crying. Um, tell us how people can um, can get to your creative healing and how they can tap into that. Absolutely. All right. So I have a website. It is com, And if you want to send an email, it will be info at yolandagreerart.com. My podcast is Creative Healing with Yolanda. And on the website, you will see the podcast. You can see a link for the journal and books and a link for the art. Now, I am a mixed media Expressionist art, I do abstract. That just means that, well, not objective. Let's, let's, let's say that, not objective. Okay, she getting, she getting technical. <laughs> no, not technical. She's going there. <laughs> and so I, I just, I just put colors and shapes and things together intuitively. So it may not be a, um, an object per se. Some of, some of the art is. But I do it just as a part of still just healing. Right. Um, I have stories that still deal with violations that I've only written that they are not in books. They maybe two, three, four people know. And because I know those it's not time for those stories is it's um, I'm not hiding those stories and those stories have empowered me. But some stories and you would know if it's. If it's your story or if it's a published story, if, and if it's a public story, if it's one to be told or one to be published, your spirit will let you know that. And so I look forward to, um, hearing your stories. You, you getting separated from your stories so that you can find power and healing in that. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to my very first online class. Um, it's going to be a link on the, Hopefully by the time this airs, it's going to be yes. a link to sign up. Because yes. the reality is, so the class is actually written and recorded. Um, I just need to be great and 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 uh, just bravely put it out into the world because I know that there's healing to be done. And I always tell God, I don't want to get to the intersection and she's already passed. So I got to be obedient with that. Okay. So this is, this is it. So people are going to hear this. They're going to have the scab ripped off and they're going to need to, to navigate these feelings and, and learn how to start the healing process. So we're just claiming that, uh, for those who are listening that by the airing of this, (laughs) which is probably, I think, what, three or four weeks. Oh, absolutely. That will be, that will be in the atmosphere and you can get it at Yolanda Greer Art. Dot com. Dot com. Yes. And um, maybe in the show notes, I'll also have um, a number or um, a hotline of where you can call and uh, share your thoughts. But it really starts with admitting it to yourself mm-hmm. and maybe finding uh, someone that you trust. Right. Um, like I said, several of my patients, um, and it's because I asked the question, um, shared it with me, but hopefully you have an OBGYN or medical provider or someone in your life um, that will ask a question or uh, make you feel safe. Right. This is, this is a conclusion (laughs) of this, of of what chapter one (laughs) (laughs) or part one of this episode. 
the next the next part too needs to be how did you do this with five kids and a husband <laughs> and you still married? Yeah. Right. <laughs> she she has a set of twins too in that five. Right. And I mean, I, when I tell you, they're called the Greer Gang, but <laughs> successful, happy, you know, not perfect, but right. you know. Nobody's in jail, you know, nobody's on drugs. They're all college graduates, military. I mean, just amazing. And your relationship with your husband is phenomenal. So that's going to be part two. Thank you so much. If you will come back and just <laughs> tell us how how, how the, the Lord did that. How, how God did that. How right. he did it. So thank you, Yolanda Greer. You're welcome. Creative healer. Yes. Uh, for sharing your story and for uh, letting the listeners know that it is okay. Absolutely. That it is okay to let all this out and, and for you being the example of what's on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. So thank you for coming. You're welcome. Finally. <laughs> all right, that's it, folks. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Office Visits with Dr. V. My prayer is that something said on this podcast will get you started on a path to your optimal health and wellness. The information, including opinions and recommendations discussed in this podcast, is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Such information is not intended to be a substitute for the advice of a qualified and licensed physician or other healthcare provider. Although I'm a doctor, This does not replace the advice of your licensed physician or health care provider. So please, seek the advice of a qualified health care professional before making any changes to your health care regimen. And another thing, just by listening to this podcast doesn't make me your doctor. However, if you want to stay connected, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Office Visits with Dr. V. And go to my website at officevisitswithdrv.com. That's Office Visits with Drv. Let's follow up next time. Blessings.